Hello listeners, I am Dennis Love and this is Sheep Valley, a show about Sheffield startups. I graduated here in Sheffield and have been involved with Sheffield Startup Ecosystem through the Startup Weekend event, where I was able to meet many great founders and learn about a lot of interesting startups. But while there is a lot of going on in the Steel City, there is not enough recognition for that. We constantly listen to podcasts with founders in Silicon Valley, London or Berlin, but rarely we seek out to see the entrepreneurs in our own city. This is the reason for this podcast. I want to give a platform to these individuals and teams and to make everyone in Sheffield, but also everywhere else, aware of the great companies that are being created here. I will mostly focus on venture-funded, high-growth startups, but will also talk with people from different small businesses that are going on a different path, like my first guest, Lee Greenwood. Lee has tons of experience in PR and decided to start Evergreen PR last November. I really enjoyed talking to him and I hope you enjoyed the podcast too. And I'm here with Lee Greenwood from Evergreen PR. How are you, Lee? I'm good. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's start with you telling us a little bit more about your life up until Evergreen PR. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, uh, quickly introducing Evergreen PR. So uh, it's a uh, relatively new healthcare PR consultancy, so specializing purely in health um, and been going for around a year. Uh, and doing really well so far, having won a few awards and um, grown the business um, pretty well so far. So I'm, I'm pleased with how the year's gone. Uh, it was our and it was our first birthday this week. Uh, in terms of before that and kind of what what brought me here, if you like, uh, I um, start, I studied u- at university English and media studies. Uh, worked at a local newspaper and then started working in PR around 15 years ago. Uh, throughout that period, um, pretty much I've worked purely in health. So through that, I've gathered a lot of background knowledge, and a lot of interest and relationships and contacts within the sector. So, you know, good journalist contacts, um, good understanding of where the, uh, where the uh, health sector is headed uh, and, and what good sources of data and information are. And putting those things together and a, a kind of passion and purpose for health, decided to launch this consultancy, um, as I say, a year ago. And yeah, it's been good so far. Tell us then, how did you decide to start Evergreen PR and what problem were you trying to solve? So uh, having worked prior to, to launching this, I worked in a, uh, a large marketing consultancy uh, and worked across a number of sectors as a PR account director. So I led a team of around um, eight, eight to 10 people. I've found that uh, quite often when working across multiple sectors in, uh, in a consultancy, it's very difficult to have the level of expertise and knowledge that you need to really help ensure a client stands out as experts in their field. And in the healthcare sector in particular, that I believe is really, really important. So from Evergreen PR's perspective, that was the gap that I was looking to fill to work with clients in the health sector who are improving people's health. So it's a purpose I could feel passionate about because I know I'm making a difference in an area that's important. And because of my background and 15 years in health and specializing purely in that sector, I know that as a consultancy, Evergreen can make more of a difference to the clients that we work with than others who are just working across multiple sectors and don't have that depth of knowledge or relationships. So that was the key thing 
that persuaded me that this would be a business that would work and be successful and uh, attract the kind of clients that I want to work with. That makes a lot of sense. So when visiting your website, there is something that stands out. It's the evergreen methodology. Could you tell us what stands behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, you know, from my experience in PR, quite often, well, quite often people think of it purely as media relations and, and just as a way to try to get uh, a, a, a company into the, into the press. Um, in my opinion, it's a, there's a, a lot more behind it than that. Uh, and it's all about sort of reputation management and helping an organization to use communications techniques to achieve their business outcomes. The way that I, that I approach uh, PR is uh, from an insight perspective. So from um, our methodology is essentially first off is rigorous research. So rather than jumping straight into just writing a story and putting it out there and, you know, just hoping for the best, uh, our, our methodology is about really understanding uh, the, the issue that the company the client is trying to solve, really understanding the client's business, what objectives it's trying to achieve, um, thinking about who the people of influence, whether that's potential partners, whether it's journalists, whether it's politicians, that might be able to help uh, our client to move the dial and help, uh, help us to create campaigns that would have the impact that we're looking for. And through all of this gathering of insight, uh, it, 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 things become things become so much clearer in terms of the direction that needs to be taken. So step one is insight gathering. Step two is uh, analysing the insight and uh, joining the dots, if you like, to formulate a plan. So if we know what the company is trying to achieve, we have a really good understanding of their sector, of their competitors, of the of the client's core messages. Um, the, the problems its customers are facing, what journalists are talking about that issue, what politicians are talking about that issue, which uh, influencers on social media are speaking about that. Then through that, we can, we can connect the dots and think about how we can get the right message to the right people uh, in a way that will be engaging and will be picked up by sources of influence that mean that we can reach the highest number of people or the most influential people and ultimately deliver the impact that the, that the client is looking for. And that, that final part of our methodology, so we've got insight, we've got the join the dots planning, and we've got sources of influence. And that's about making sure that we utilise sources of influence to make sure that our campaigns reach the right people at the right time. And that's something that we've had a massive amount of success with um, for our campaigns because it's by, it's by working with the right people that we've, had, we've been able to get the impact because it's got the messages out there. You've won multiple awards in the PR sector, but can you tell us about one that you value really highly? Um, we, I was really uh, pleased. Our first awards was uh, the, the PRCA um, awards. So that's the Public Relations Consultancy Association. So in PR, there are two uh, national organizations, the CIPR and the PRCA, both excellent uh, organizations. I'm actually a committee member for Yorkshire of the CIPR. Um, and you know they they are they're the flagship awards for the PR industry. So to come in uh, of our, in our first year um, and and win two awards at, at that uh, at that award ceremony was absolutely brilliant. It's a shame that uh, it was uh, the, the ceremony was celebrated um, in uh, a home office rather than at a uh, at a sort of fancy venue with a few beers. But um, it was uh, that was a really kind of rewarding achievement. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be winning a lot more over the, 
over the coming months and years. Well, let's hope you win another one next year so you can celebrate in a normal environment. Exactly, that would be nice. So tell us about culture. How important do you think it is for a business's success? And what's the culture you want to build inside of Evergreen PR? I mean, I think, yeah, I think um, culture is is massively important for an organization. Um, and I think, in my opinion, uh, it stems, a good culture often stems from a good purpose. And, and Evergreen's been set up with that in mind. So we have a really clear purpose, which is to transform health. Uh, we're looking to work with organizations that have either the, the capacity and the scale or the innovations to improve and protect people's health. And when you've got a really clear company purpose like that, so we know what we know what why we get out of bed in the morning, then you know it's automatically motivating uh, for people to be able to walk, work towards that purpose. And, and I've worked uh, within organizations and, and one that springs to mind is Slimming World. And I, I spent around uh, nine years there and that organization grew massively uh, during my time there and had a really good, clear company purpose that everybody sort of bought into and stood behind. And I think that was a major reason for its growth. And I think that if you haven't got that, that purpose that people can stand behind, then you know, you, you, ultimately you're, you're sort of relying on um, friendships or, you know, people, people enjoying the creative process, but there's not a sort of binding element that keeps everyone together. Uh, so in terms of Evergreen's, Evergreen's culture, that, that's what it's all about. I'm currently the only employee, but we work with uh, a number of um, specialists in, uh, in other areas that either I, I don't specialize in or that um, can pick up some of the things and free my time to concentrate on some of the more complex work. And in each of those cases, when I uh, bring somebody in, it's always about whether they believe in the purpose and whether they, whether this is something they feel passionately about, because I I think if people have, you know, they're striving for excellence and that's something that, that Evergreen does. It's about the very best quality of work. But it, having the purpose that people can stand behind, that's the motivating factor that, that enables people to produce their best work. So I think that's really, really important. And, and as the organisation grows, which I've, I'm feeling fairly confident it will, that's, uh, that purpose, I think, will um, run through it uh, throughout its lifetime, hopefully. So let's talk about a PR world in 2020. What are some key trends that you as a specialist in the field identify? Uh, the, the key trends uh, from a PR perspective, I think, uh, a, a real move over the over the last few years towards outcomes. So PR used to be considered very lightweight as an industry. It was thought of as um, sort of shallow and puff pieces, and the idea was that you secured coverage, um, just about generating media coverage that that made the client feel happy, but didn't necessarily deliver against business outcomes. Uh, the way that PR has transformed over recent years, uh, and there's a, there's a number of reasons for that. And um, one, one of the key things that, uh, that I follow is uh, something called the um, Barcelona Principles or the AMEC Framework of Evaluation. And that attempts to uh, put PR into the business world by showing how it can impact on the bottom line for companies. And so rather than saying 
So when I talk to a client about uh, or, or a prospect about what we can achieve, uh, I don't say, oh, well, we'll try and get you 10 articles uh, about your company. I say we're going to try to reach your customer to increase your revenue, uh, to improve your reputation, to boost the visibility of your website. Uh, and these are tangible business outcomes that actually impact on the profit that the business makes. And I think it's only by doing that that PR is increasing its standing uh, and the industry is working to get a, a seat at the top table, if you like, uh, in, in business boardrooms you know, around the world. And, and that's probably the biggest transformation that I've seen uh, over the course of my career. And I think that's a really important one. Uh, secondly is digital. Um, it's got a lot, uh, there's obviously the whole world has got a lot more digital and PR skills are, are really important to the digital world. Um, I mentioned SEO visibility. So uh, I've worked as an account director. Part of my role there was working within SEO uh, and PR has kind of a big impact on SEO by earning uh, media coverage on high authority websites and securing follow, do follow links uh, that, that uh, essentially um, improve Google rankings um, and in, improve trust, the trust of Google and search engines uh, in, in the quality of the, of the website of the client. Um, and uh, we've been having a measurable uh, impact on that. There's one particular client uh, where we've, uh, re the recent client that we've improved the uh, overall visibility of the website by 300% uh, as um, measured by, by search metrics. Um, and while I wouldn't profess to be uh, a, an SEO expert in, in the way that an SEO professional is, um, I, I know from my experience in my career uh, that the PR can have a, a big impact there. And there's also socials. So socials about building communities and relationships and engagement and telling stories. And again, that's, a, that's another massively um, that's another role that PR plays and can, and can support. Uh, and I spent around four years leading social media at Slimming World and grew our, our social audience to, to more, than a, more than a million in that time. Um, and I think that's, that's you know, this is, this, these, are, these are big things. And then I guess another factor for digital is, is crisis communication. So um, PR, uh, our PR people are often the people that are called on in a crisis, you know, as a, a reputational issue and uh, a company needs to act fast. It's the PR person that picks up the pieces quite, quite often. Uh, and again, digital channels have made that those crises occur at uh, 10 times the speed. Uh, so again, uh, it's become, uh, it's, a, it's a crucial factor to have a PR person at the top table to uh, identify these crises uh, before they arise and to respond quickly when they do with, with messaging that, that is effective at sort of diffusing those crises. And then probably the, th the third and final point, which these are all overlapping and I'm realizing I'm touching on them as, as I go, is, is reputation. I think reputation of businesses in 2020 is absolutely paramount to success. And, uh, you know, it takes, uh, there's, a, there's a famous quote, um, which I'll probably get slightly wrong, but it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and you can lose it in five minutes. And, you know, PR is, plays a central role in that, you know, you are, you are the mouthpiece of the organization quite often. Uh, you are the, the strategic communicators. And so, you know, it's about building PR people are building reputations of organizations. They are, they are also 
ensuring that those organisations behave responsibly because the reputational damage to them if they if they don't behave responsibly can uh, cause a business to cause companies to go under and uh, can have a huge impact so again i say that's and that's probably an outcome measure but reputation is probably the third really key point which i think uh, has um, become more important over the last few years so let's talk about successes now tell us about the most satisfying moment from evergreen pr's history until now that's a that's a that's a tough question actually. Um, there's been a, there's been a number of satisfying uh, moments. Um, you know, we touched on the awards. That was a that was a big thing for me. Uh, you know, secure getting awards in in the first year, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, winning my first uh, significant client was a was a, a big moment. So uh, that was the British Tinnitus Association, and um, that was a, a, a PR and public affairs campaign to help them to generate more funding for tinnitus research and that was hugely successful um, we uh, got massive coverage in the media like the times the, the daily mail itv news daily mirror it was, it was pretty much everywhere we had an online petition that attracted more than a hundred thousand petition signatures which is you know pretty pretty uh, substantial and that caused the debate in the House of Lords and the, the, the ultimate, you know, I, I spoke before about the importance of outcomes. So it's not just, you know, what, what, what coverage have you got, etc. It's what have you achieved? Um, the outcome of the activity that I've been doing, which has also included liaising with politicians uh, as, as well as, as with the media, uh, has been that we are now having Matt Hancock uh, effectively promised a review of tinnitus funding research and there is to be uh, a meeting. In, uh, in, a, in a month or so's time um, with the Department of Health and Social Care and various other stakeholders to discuss uh, funding levels for tinnitus. So, we, you know, we've taken this from an issue that needed to be addressed uh, into the highest levels of government where being discussed um, and, you know, which it should hopefully lead to the change that needs to happen. Uh, so that was a, that was a, a massively satisfying moment to win that first client and then to get to the point where you know the objective that we set at the very beginning which felt you know a lofty ambition but something that we could put a strategy towards trying to achieve is is you know within touching distance so um, that, that was definitely a, a sort of flagship moment tell us then what do you think are the three most important things for a startup to get off the ground um, well, I would say, and at risk of repeating myself a little, um, I would say purpose is probably the, the, the first and most important. So having something that you're passionate about, you know, why, why does this organisation exist? What is it trying to achieve? Why do you care about it? You know, why are you passionate about it? So purpose, uh, and, I, and that's something that I may have made central to, to uh, the foundations of Evergreen. Uh, the second is, you know, some form of experience or knowledge so I'm lucky uh, in, in, this in, in founding this organisation. You know, I set up a health, healthcare PR consultancy, having worked in PR for health businesses for 15 years. So I have a, you know, a, a lot of experience and a strong background uh, in this. So I had a, you know, a good idea that I could be successful. Um, and I did, I did, a, you know, I did everything else. Like I, I did the research of competitors. I did my business plan. You know, I, I, I sort of put the background work in as well. Um, and I, but I think that if you have, if you haven't got the experience 
in the field that you're going into that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go into it of course it just means that you need to do uh, more background research more uh, knowledge building uh, and spend probably try to spend a little bit more time in the sector uh, before you take that step because ultimately you know when you start in a business you want to be you know you want to give yourself the best chance of being successful so having the experience or at the very least the knowledge uh, and, and the strategy for how you're going to achieve what you're trying to do uh, I think is really important and then I think the final one is is probably uh, relationships uh, or, or sort of an openness to, to, to building relationships so you know no, nobody achieves any of this stuff on, on their own uh, do they so you know who are who are the people that, that you know that can help you to make things happen and that can be people who can sort of mentor you and support you along the way it can be peers who you can uh, who are on the same journey as you that you can get advice from it can be potential customers uh, that you might have worked with in, in a former life um, you know who, who are who are these people uh, that can and these relationships that you already have that, that can help you along the way and and in cases where you don't have them who are the people that you want to build the relationships with? So in, in my in my business, I started off with zero clients and zero funding or investment um, and had to build this up from scratch. So, you know, I went out there uh, and, and started contacting uh, potential clients uh, or people that I would like to work with with a strong argument for why I felt I would be a good fit for them. And, and I won uh, the UK's uh, biggest physiotherapy group off the back of that, um, uh, you know, employed sort of 600 people. Uh, and I won them against uh, other agencies and consultancies. Um, and so that was, you know, I didn't have that relationship, but I, I looked to create it. Um, and I think having that openness and that uh, willingness to approach people uh, and the determination to 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 build those relationships is is also really important for a founder setting up a new company. You're based here in Sheffield, so tell us how the local ecosystem has impacted your business. Yeah, uh, I think the local ecosystem's uh, excellent here. Um, I I've had a, a number of uh, benefits from being based in Sheffield. So when I first decided to start the company, you know, you you kind of try and figure out what's what's going on in the city and I attended a few courses with Business Sheffield so they run a really helpful uh, course uh, I think it's a three-part course so uh, half days each time about how to how to launch a business so I think it's it's like the background um, you know whether it's right for you how to develop a business strategy um, how to market the company etc etc you know what the finances look like all of that kind of stuff and um, so I, I thought that was really, really useful. Uh, and uh, Andy was the guy who ran the course and he he suggested a few people that it might be worth me uh, getting in touch with. Um, uh, one of those was uh, Tom at Sheffield Technology Parks. And uh, I contacted him and through that, through those conversations, I ended up uh, setting up in a co-working space at Sheffield Technology Parks, um, along with an, you know a number of other uh, startups uh, in the area uh, that was brilliant because there were people who were further along their journey than I was um, some people who uh, who maybe did some things that crossed over a little uh, that I could learn from and by you know spending time with people on that same journey you were able to pick up sort of tips and tricks and when there were things you weren't quite sure about you could 
you know bounce ideas off each other and I thought that was really helpful it was a it was a really supportive environment as well um and it'd still be I'd still be there and my office is registered there but uh with uh, COVID-19 of course it's kind of um most people in most cases people are working from home uh, although that did open briefly before that uh, second lockdown um but yeah in, in in summary yeah I think it's been I think it's been great I think there's a there's a lot of support out there as long as you you know, do the, open your eyes and, 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 and ask around and, and try to get introductions to the right people. And I found that really useful. Let's talk about funding. So have you been funded and do you think there is enough money for startups in Sheffield right now? Uh, well, I, I, um, I, I haven't had any funding. So, um, so I started, I started a company with, um, with no, no, no funding and no clients. Uh, well, I, I had, I had, uh, one client um, non-retained for a little bit of work for the first month and then had to you know try to try to win the work um, as, as quickly as I could and I'd left a, a fairly good job as a PR account director at a, at a, at a big uh, UK marketing agency so I needed to sort of make up ground quite quickly. Um, as I mentioned before I think I was quite lucky because rather than starting a new product or a new service um, that required a lot of, say, development work or, uh, you know, new foundations to be put in place, I'm really fortunate because my business is, you know, essentially it's, it's my experience and I'm, I'm a consultant, uh, a PR consultant, really. So from my point of view, all I need is my laptop to some extent. And then there are tools that, that you need really as a PR practitioner, sort of media databases, coverage uh, checkers, uh, social media tools. Uh, and I've invested in those as I've grown uh, the, the revenue. Um, but initially I, you know, I didn't need anything other than myself. So uh, it was a bit of a, it's a kind of a live or die by that really. Um, and I was fortunate that within three weeks, I won my first uh, national client and, and substantial campaign, and from there I've been able to to build it gradually. So I, I'm I'm probably not the best qualified to talk about the um, the fund Sheffield's funding scene, uh, but yeah, I've I've been I've been lucky in the sense that I didn't need it, and I was able because of my, of what my business is to start fairly swiftly and without the need for for much investment. I'd like to finish with a quick series of simple questions, just so we can get to know more about you. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. So what's a book you would recommend for entrepreneurs to read? Um, I would, well, so the book that I recommend uh, is actually more for uh, startups who are in the, in the similar field to me. So sort of marketing and communication. So it's a book, but, I, but no, but that's not fair to say, because I think a lot of the lessons would apply uh, to other businesses as well, to be fair, but that's who it was written for. And the book's called Grow, Build, Sell, Live. And it's by uh, a couple of people called Richard Houghton and Crispin Manners. And, and Crispin is somebody I've, I've come to know since then. Uh, and it's a really uh, helpful guide to a practical guide to, to how to set up a consultancy business. Um, some of the models that you can use to embed a great company culture, some of the techniques you can use to, to win new business. Um, and yeah, I've just found it a, a really a useful uh, document to be able to refer back to. Um, and that's probably the, the book that I've kind of used the most. Um, one other book that I would recommend uh, is uh, a, a book I read quite recently and it's called The Go-Giver. 
and you know it's a play on the go-getter and what it uh, essentially advises and i think it's a really good mentality shift that can be useful for people at the startup stage in particular in terms of building relationships um and essentially it's about flipping the mindset rather than thinking about what you can get from every interaction and from uh you know every uh, everything that you do it's about thinking about what you can give and by being a little bit more generous you know if you if there's some if, if, for example in my line of work sometimes i see media opportunities um that i know would be a good fit and you but you're really busy and you might not share them with somebody because they're not a client of yours at that moment in time but if you share that opportunity with them then for, for nothing at no cost there's no expectation then that I, I feel that then there's a chance that further down the line that person might sort of remember that and it builds a builds a sort of positive foundation for the relationship. So the go giver is essentially about what can I give to other people? You know, how can I help as many people as possible? Um, and then remaining open to those people giving back to you in some form uh, and, and potentially, I suppose, further down the line, buying from you in some way or recommending somebody to you that does uh, and you'll see the benefits of it further down the line, essentially. But I think that's quite a nice mind um mindset shift that that is useful to entrepreneurs and i think i'm starting to see the benefits of that now how did you come up with the name for evergreen pr um well it was is the hardest thing in the world uh is to name your business um i actually i spent a lot of time in bands um when i was younger and i always thought the hardest thing about being in a band was naming it uh, because it's just it's, it's it's difficult to to know what you know to have something that you're prepared to stand stand behind because you've selected this name yourself rather than your own personal name of course like your parents give to you um so it was it was tricky and i went through loads and loads of different ones and you know wrote them down i even bought a few urls uh, with different business names but just they just didn't feel right and it was actually my wife suggested it um and I can't remember, I don't really know what the, what the reason the reasoning behind it was, but the reason it fits is my name, surname's Greenwood, and Evergreen is about uh, things that are long-lasting, that, that essentially last forever. And Evergreen, as a consultancy, uh, our approach to PR is we, is we build campaigns and resources and assets that have a long-lasting value. So when i if i a lot of the clients that i've i work with for example i produce things like white paper reports um or or, or in some cases websites or, or things that um that people can refer back to and, and research documents and, and these things uh, they're not sort of a story that's here today gone tomorrow they keep generating value because they can be used for so many different um so many different different things and so it felt when the, when we came up with the name evergreen it felt like a good fit because it, it felt there's a meaning behind it that ties into to what the business does and, and that's why i think it felt right and why i've stuck with it what is one place in sheffield that everyone should visit uh, that is a that's an almost impossible question um i live uh, so i live in hunter's bar s11 uh, just off Ecky Road. Um, I think Ecclesall Road itself is probably one of the one of the recommendations. Um, 
there's so many so many good places around here like uh porta cottage and the lescar where you know when when, you, when you're able to go out for a drink and porta pizza does the best pizzas in sheffield uh, in my opinion um when i was based at uh, sheffield technology parks there was a place called fusion cafe which does the best um roast these like roast vegetable sandwiches which are a lot nicer than, than uh, making it sound um, i'm sure their menu describes it a bit better than that um, but uh, yeah, I'd say for me, S11 as a whole, um, I, I, yeah, I love it here. It's, uh, there's kind of so much to do, great, great food, great bars, um, great parks. Uh, I'm looking forward to all reopening again uh, as we uh, develop a vaccine and improve uh, testing uh, going forward after COVID-19. If you had 15 minutes with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Um, uh, I, I would, I was okay. I think I was okay at 20 really. I was, um, I would probably tell myself that, yeah, you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll sort of turn out fine. Um, I think probably at 20, I ha probably had a bit of a lack of direction, not quite knowing what I wanted to do. Um, as I said, in my early twenties, I, I was in a lot of, I was in bands a lot and, um, you know, I was more focused on that than my career maybe, but to some extent, I, I don't think that matters I wouldn't I wouldn't change it in fact uh, a lot of the skills I learned from being in a band you know sort of um, having the confidence to sort of hustle and to uh, to find you know venues that would let you play around the country and people to review your music and um, you know developing websites a lot of the skills that I, I picked up um, during that time which at one at one point could have been considered you know wasted time um, it turns out to be skills that I now put into place every day as part of running a business. So for me, I'd, um, I, I think a lot of people look back and think they would advise themselves when they were younger to do things slightly differently. For me, I would, I would just say to, to um, not worry about it and just kind of live your life by what you want to do, because I'm a, I'm a great believer in that things, you know, take their own path and you'll get to where you were meant to go uh, eventually anyway. Um, and so I, I'd, I'd probably, uh, probably be quite a short conversation on my part and I'd just say, uh, just carry on and enjoy yourself. And there's a final question. Tell me one big, hairy, audacious goal you have for Evergreen PR. So, um, ultimately what, what I want from this organization is I, I want, I want us to be the go-to, uh, consultancy for healthcare. So I want to be the, the company, you know, the, the gold standard, if you like, so that when any health brand, a major health brand is thinking they, they could do with PR, communications, public affairs support, the people that they think of is evergreen PR. So uh, and, and that might, you know, that might not be the case with everybody, uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to get this to the point where we do secure some of those uh, top tier names. And, and that, so that is that's probably my big, hairy, audacious goal. All right, Lee, thanks so much for your time. It was great talking to you. Yeah, same to you, Dennis. Thanks again. Cheers.